another paleobiology reading. This time we're on uh, dinosaurs. Just one reading, but it's 70 pages long, so I will almost certainly split this into multiple parts. Uh, once again, we're in uh, Benton's Vertebrate Paleontology textbook, 4th edition. Uh, this is chapter 8, The Age of Dinosaurs. Three questions in this chapter. How did dinosaurs live? Why did they become so diverse? What are some of the relationships of theropod dinosaurs to each other and to birds? Did dinosaurs have feathers? And if so, which ones? What was the largest dinosaur? Why were the ornithopod dinosaurs so successful? Were the dinosaurs warm-blooded or not? How did dinosaurs grow up? How did the pterosaurs fly and walk? What do we know about the ancestry of modern turtles, crocodilians, and lizards? Did snakes evolve from swimming or burrowing ancestors? How were plesiosaurs and ichthyosaurs adapted to underwater life? And why did the dinosaurs, pterosaurs, plesiosaurs, and mosasaurs die out 66 million years ago? Introduction. The most famous fossil vertebrates, the dinosaurs, literally fearfully great lizards, oh, that's a liberal translation, arose in the Triassic about 245 million years ago and dominated terrestrial faunas for the next 180 million years until their extinction at the end of the Cretaceous, 66 million years ago. The earliest dinosaurs were moderate-sized bipedal carnivores, but quadrupedal herbivores had evolved by the end of the Triassic. Triassic. During the Jurassic and the Cretaceous, the dinosaurs diversified into a great array of carnivores, large and small, massive herbivores, fast, small, move, uh, sm small fast moving specialized plant eaters, and others armored with great bone plates, horns, carapaces, and clubs. The pterosaurs, relatives of the dinosaurs, filled the skies, and the descendants of dinosaurs, birds, arose in the middle to late Jurassic. Other land vertebrates of the Mesozoic included groups that exist today, turtles, crocodilians, lizards, snakes, and mammals. The seas were populated by ichthyosaurs and plesiosaurs, and in the late Cretaceous by mosasaurs, great marine reptiles that preyed on fishes, on squid, and on each other. The diversity of these reptiles and their biology will be explored in this chapter. We begin with a detailed look at one of the oldest, most well-documented dinosaurs, Platyosaurus as an introduction to dinosaurian anatomy and research. We then look at the world of the Mesozoic before beginning a systematic overview of the key groups. 8.1, biology of Platyosaurus. The oldest confidently known dinosaurs are dated as Carnian in age, late Triassic, 237 to 228 million years ago. And they include forms such as Eoraptor and Herrerasaurus from Argentina and Saturnalia from Brazil. One of the most abundant late Triassic dinosaurs was Platyosaurus. The first specimens were found in southwestern Germany in 1837, and since then, dozens of skeletons have been collect collected from over 50 localities in Germany, Switzerland, and France, mostly dated as mid-Norian, 220 to 215 million years ago. The best locality is Trossingen. Trossingen? south of Stuttgart, where 35 skeletons and fragments of 70 more were excavated from the Lowenstein Formation. The skeletons are of young and old animals, and many have been broken up by scavengers and water movement. How did the mass grave of Platyosaurus skeletons at Trossingen arrive, arise? There are three suggestions. 1. A herd of Platyosaurus perished while migrating across an arid desert in search of food. Against this romantic image, 
is that there is no evidence for desert conditions. The enclosing sediments represent water-laid mudstones. 2. The animals died at different times and in different places, and were washed into a mass concentration in a major river system. This is commonly the case with dinosaur accumulations, but seemingly not here. 3. The animals died where they are now preserved, perhaps by miring in unconsolidated mud. Evidence is that the skeletons are generally complete and unbroken, and many of them sit in a belly-down position with their feet trapped beneath. Platyosaurus is about 7 meters long, and it has generally been assumed that it could have either adopted a bipedal or quadrupedal posture. However, a biomechanical study based on scanned bones in a 3D computer model suggests that Platyosaurus could not have used its forelimbs in locomotion, and that they were only useful for grasping objects directly below the torso. It walked on its hind limbs only, with a foot held in a digitigrade posture and the knees slightly flexed. According to these calculations, many previous reconstructions of the posture and limbs in Platyosaurus are impossible. The body proportions are typical of early dinosaurs. A long tail, long hind limbs about twice as long as the arms, and a long neck. But the skull is small, and the limbs are heavily built because of the large size of the skull. Oh wait, no, because of the large size. Platyosaurus shows derived dinosaurian characters of the limbs and vertebrae. Upright posture, slender pelvic bones, and distinctive vertebrae in the neck, trunk, and lower back. What did the platyosaurs eat? They have generally been regarded as herbivores because of their size, their great abundance, and their weak, leaf-shaped teeth. This was disputed at one time because some skeletons were found in association with the dagger-like teeth of a suggested meat-eater. These carnivore teeth have been identified as those of Roysukians, phytosaurs, and theropod dinosaurs that were scavenging on Platyosaurus carcasses and had shed their teeth while biting on bones. The teeth of Platyosaurus have serrated edges, yet are more like the teeth of herbivorous lizards that cut through tough plants than the steak knife teeth of true carnivores. The jaw joint in Platyosaurus is set low, an adaptation seen in herbivorous synapsids and other dinosaurs, which gives a sustained, evenly spread bite along the tooth row, useful in dealing with tough plant stems. Platyosaurus swallowed its plant food whole and could not chew as modern animals do because sideways jaw movements were not possible. It may have avoided indigestion by the use of a gastric mill. Just as chickens today swallow grit that lodges in the gizzard, a muscular expansion of the gut above the stomach uh, and grinds up the food, the Platyosaurus may have swallowed pebbles. A herd of feeding Platyosaurus must have rattled, grunted, and burped furiously as their rough plant diet was reduced to a digestible state. 8.2. The Jurassic and Cretaceous World During the Triassic and Early Jurassic, the supercontinent Pangaea was at its most extensive, with a continuous land stretching from North America to Europe and South America to Africa, Antarctica, Australia, and India. The continents began to break apart in stages during the Jurassic and Cretaceous, with the North Atlantic opening first between Europe and Africa to the east, and then North America to the west. The South Atlantic opened between Africa and South America during the Cretaceous, but dinosaurs and other land animals were able to move backwards and forwards over the narrow connections. Through much of the Cretaceous, there was a circumequatorial Tethys Ocean that, separated, that largely separated northern and southern continents. In the mid-Cretaceous, there was a phase of extensive mid-ocean ridge volcanic activity. The ocean floor rose, and the seas flooded massively over the land, raising sea levels 100 meters higher than they are today, and depositing great amounts of chalk and other forms of limestone over much of the world. 
these higher sea levels flooded continents, dividing North America with a major north-south ocean, the Western Interior Seaway, flooding much of the northern parts of uh, South America and Africa, and dividing Europe into numerous small islands. Jurassic climates were moister than in the Triassic, and warm conditions prevailed right to the polar regions. Ferns and conifers of subtropical varieties have been found as far north as 60 degrees paleolatitude, and rich floras are known from Greenland and Antarctica. The change, in moisture, the change to moisture conditions is indicated by the fact that evaporite deposits are far less common in the Triassic than in the Triassic. Did I say Triassic and Triassic? I meant Jurassic and Triassic. There have been intense debates about Cretaceous climates, with some researchers supporting the traditional model of warmer conditions in ice-free poles, whereas others have argued for cooler climates throughout. Part of the debate revolves around apparent discrepancies between geological and paleontological evidence for a much broader equatorial belt than today, and modeling results that predict ice at the poles. A revised com compilation of carbon dioxide data recorded from brachiopod and foraminifer shells confirms cooling through the early Jurassic, a relatively steady warm temperature through the late tri Jurassic and most of the Cretaceous, and then the beginning of a major cooling trend in the latest Cretaceous that continued through the Cenozoic. Detailed mapping of climate indicators such as coals and bauxites uh, for hot humid conditions, the evaporite minerals gypsum and anhydrite for hot arid indicators, and locations of temperature-sensitive organisms such as turtles, crocodiles, and certain plants indicates Cretaceous climate, climate zones. The equatorial arid zone extended over most of Africa and South America, as well as parts of North, North America, Europe, and Asia. The mid-latitude warm humid belt extended into Canada and northern Eurasia in the north and Antarctica and Australia in the south. This model has been criticized based on geological and paleontological evidence. For example, measurements of oxygen isotopes in the dinosaur bones from East Asia indicate unusually low temperatures of about 10 degrees Celsius in the temperate belt. There were also numerous cold snaps in the early and mid-Cretaceous. Although much debated, there is limited evidence for permanent ice at the poles in the Cretaceous. Seasonal winter ice, however, is likely, but polar dinosaurs and other vertebrates might simply have migrated towards warmer conditions to avoid the cold. A major change took place in the world's floras during the Cretaceous. Triassic and Jurassic landscapes contained low ferns, horsetails and cycads, and tree-sized club mosses, seed ferns, and conifers. In the early Cretaceous, the first flowering plants, angiosperms, appeared, and they radiated rapidly through the late Cretaceous until they reached modern levels of ecological significance. Um... The early late Cretaceous boundary marks a time when rainforests rapidly appeared in equatorial regions. The earliest angiosperms include magnolia, beech, fig, willow, and palm, and other familiar flowering shrubs and trees. There were even rare grasses, although these did not become import important until later in the tertiary. 8.3. The diversity of Sauriscian dinosaurs. Um, dinosaurs have long been understood to comprise two major subclades, the Saurischia and the Ornithischia. These two subclades are diagnosed on the basis of their radically different pelvic regions, as well as other characters of the skull and skeleton. The Saurischian dinosaurs, the primary carnivores, uh, primary carnivorous theropods, and the herbivorous sauropodomorphs, such as Platyosaurus and its descendants, will be reviewed here. 
the Ornithischians are considered later. 8.3.1 Dinosaur Hips and Hind Limbs Saurischians and Ornithischians are traditionally classified as, by the so-called lizard hip and bird hip, respectively. The more primitive structure is seen in the Saurischians, in which the pubis points forward and the ischium back, as in all basal archosaurs of the Triassic. In Ornithischians, on the other hand, the pubis runs back in parallel with the ischium, and there is an additional prepubic process in front. Many dinosaurian characters of the hind limbs are related to the acquisition of upright posture. The acetabulum is fully open, and the pubis and ischium are long, slender elements. The legs are brought in close to the vertical midline of the body by a shift of the articulating surface from the top of the femur to a distinct ball on its side. The reorientation of the limbs from a partial sideways sprawl also changed the angle of the knee and ankle joints to simple hinges. The fibula is reduced, often to a thin splint, and the tibia has a 90-degree twist so that its proximal head is broadest from back to front and its distal end is broadest from side to side. The ankle and foot of dinosaurs are also distinctive. The ankle is dominated by a wide astragalus with a distinct vertical process that wraps round the front of the tibia, and the calcaneum is a small block-like element. In the foot, the dinosaur stands on its toes, the digitigrade stance, rather than on the flat of its whole foot, the plantigrade stance, as most basal archosaurs and humans do. The outer toes, one and five, are much reduced, and the dinosaur really only used the middle three toes, two, three, and four. 8.3.2, the basal theropods. The theropods include all flesh-eating dinosaurs, and they ranged in size from small jackdaw-like forms to the 10-ton giants of the Cretaceous. The Herrerasaurids from the Carnian of South America are often regarded as the first theropods, although others regard them as generalized basal saurischians or basal dinosaurs. There have been numerous studies of theropod phylogeny, which agree that the broad outlines on the broad outlines, that there were some basal branches, including coelophysids, and then a split between ceratosauria and tetanure, and that successive major clades within tetanure include the avitheropoda, celurosauria, manoraptora, paravis, and avis. The first unequivocal theropods, the coelophysoids, consist of some five or six Triassic and early Jurassic genera. Coelophysis, from the late Triassic of North America, was a lightweight dinosaur with a long, slender tail and a long, narrow-snouted skull. It has five sacral vertebrae, a major change from Herrerasaurus, which has only two, the standard number in amniotes. It shows coelophysoid characters in the ankle and tibia. A collection of more than 100 individuals of coelophysis found together at Ghost Ranch, New Mexico, includes animals ranging in body length from 0.8 to 3.1. Males and females could be identified tentatively on the basis of variations in body proportions, and two adult specimens were thought to give evidence for cannibalism. They both had smaller specimens inside their rib cages, but close inspection showed that these supposed juveniles are in fact the remains of small crocodilomorphs, a perfect expected component of the diet of a theropod. The ghost ranch site could represent the mass burial of a whole herd of coelophysis that had been overwhelmed by some cat catastrophe, such as a flash flood. The skeletons are mainly complete and well-preserved, but some are disarticulated, so the bodies are at least moved some distance by water currents before they were buried. Dilophosaurus, from the early Jurassic of North America, is related to coelophysoids, some 5 to 7 meters long and equipped with two flat-sided crests over the skull roof, presumed display structures. 
The next major theropod subclade is Ceratosauria, known from the early or middle Jurassic to late Cretaceous. Many ceratosaurs have crests and horns, perhaps developed most in males, and these could have had a function in sexual display. For example, the ceratosaurid Ceratosaurus, from the late Jurassic of North America, has two pairs of, quote, horns on the nasal and lacrimal bones above a short, high snout. A second ceratosaur subclade, the Abelosaurids, sorry, Abelosaurs, are known from sporadic remains from several continents in the Middle Jurassic and Early Cretaceous, but primarily from South America and other Gondwanan lands in the Late Cretaceous. Many Abelosaurs had extremely short skulls, such as Carnotaurus, in which the frontal and parietal bones were hugely expanded into two triangular horns over the eyes. All other theropods, the tetraneurons, are diagnosed by a number of features. They have a large opening in the maxilla, termed the maxillary fenestra, and the tooth row does not extend behind the antorbital fenestra. The dorsal vertebrae are pleurocoelous, in other words, they have cavities on the sides, and there are modifications of the femur and tibia. The basal tetanurans were all carnivores, and they form a series of subclades, the megalosauroidea, the metriacanthosauridae, and the allosauroidea, all sharing the blunt shape of the maxilla, opisthocoelous central uh, cervical centra, and a very stout first metacarpal. Megalosauroids comprise megalosaurids and spinosaurids. The megalosaurids include Megalosaurus from the Middle Jurassic of Europe. Its relative, Dubrulosaurus, Dubrulosaurus, looks French, from the Middle Jurassic of Europe, as well as uh, other Middle and Late Jurassic forms from Europe, Africa, and China. Megalosaurus famously has the distinction of being the first dinosaur ever named in 1824. The spinosaurids, first reported from Egypt in 1915, are represented all over North America by their characteristic teeth. More complete specimens of baryonyx from England and Suchomimus from Niger show the spinosaurid characters of long spines on their dorsal vertebrae, and a huge claw on the hand, and an elongate crocodile-like skull. Were these regular predators on other dinosaurs, or did they perhaps snap up fish out of ponds and rivers? Putative stomach contents, contents include fish, dinosaurs, and pterosaurs. Biomechanical analysis shows the unusual rostral morphology of spinosaurs referred some conferred some advantage in dorsoventral bending resistance. Yet spinosaurus and baryonyx were poorly equipped to resist mediolateral bending and torsion. When size is accounted for, baryonyx performs mechanically differently from the gharial, whereas spinosaurus does not. This finite element analysis study suggests that spinosaurs were not obligate piscivores, and the diet was determined by the body size of different individuals. Tetaneurans other than the megalosauroidea are termed avitheropoda, and the first avitheropods are the allosauroidea. This clade includes four families, the metriacanthosauridae, allosauridae, neovenatoridae, and the carcharodontosauridae. The Metriocanthosauridae are a small clade of Middle Jurassic to Early Cretaceous theropods from Europe and China. The focal taxon is Metriocanthosaurus from the Late Jurassic of England, a genus that used to be confused with Megalosaurus. Metriocanthosaurids all share a straight posterior margin of the iliac post-acetabular process and an angle of less than 60% or 60 degrees between the long axes of the pubic shaft and its terminal, quote, boot. Possible metriocanthosaurids include Cyano, Cyamo Tyrannus from the early Cretaceous of Thailand and Cy 
Sinraptor from the late Jurassic of China. The Allosauridae are represented primarily by Allosaurus from the late Jurassic of North America, uh, which is 11 to 12 meters long. The skull is short and narrow from side to side. The orbit is high and smaller than the antorbital fenestra, and there are heavy crests above the orbits, and the mandibular fenestra is much reduced. The Neovenatoridae are a new uh, family focused around Neovenator from the early Cretaceous of England, and including large theropods from the mid-Cretaceous of most other continents. These are diagnosed by certain features of the vertebrae, as well as short and broad scapula, a pneumatic ilium, and modifications of the femur and tibia. Most neovenatorids were as large as Allosaurus, but some, such as Fuquiraptor from Japan, were smaller, and some had characters, slender toes, pneumatic skeleton, reminiscent of Manoraptorans. The fourth Allosauroid uh, subclade, the Carcharodontosauridae, are best known from Africa. The giant Carcharodontosaurus from Morocco had a skull 1.6 meters long, and was one of the largest carnivorous dinosaurs. The intriguing new discoveries of tetanurin theropods and other dinosaurs in Africa and Madagascar have been the source of active debates about their paleobiogeographical significance, especially whether Cretaceous dinosaurs began to show up signs of endemism as the continents separated. Box 8.1, Relationships of the Dinosaurs. The dinosauria, see cladogram, consists of two main clades, the Saurischia and the Ornithischia. The Saurischia divides into two main subclades, the Theropoda and the Sauropodomorpha. The main outlines of dinosaurian cladogram were established in early classic works in the phylogeny of Saurischia and Ornithischia, and confirmed many times since. Several Triassic dinosaurs appear to fall outside the major clades, either being basal dinosauria or basal Saurischia, but these inferred relationships are controversial. Comprehensive treatments of theropod phylogeny agree on the broad outlines, that there were some basal branches, including coelophysoids, and then a split into ceratosauria and tetanura, tetanurae, uh, and that successive major clades within tetanurae and avitheropoda, solurosauria, manoraptora, paraves, and aves. Most recent controversy has focused on the relationships with manoraptora, especially with paraves, as new fossils and new cladistic analyses become uh, move Archaeopteryx and close relatives in and out of the avian clade. The sauropodomorpha includes the Triassic and Jurassic prosauropods, probably a sequence of outgroups to sauropoda. Within sauropoda, the middle and early Jurassic volcanodontids and shunosaurids are outgroups to neosauropoda, comprising various families of giant sauropods, mainly late Jurassic and Cretaceous in age, that divide into the two clades Diplocoidea and Macronaria. The Ornithischia have a possible primitive number, member, uh, Pisanosaurus, and the main clades, the armored Thyreophora and the Sauropoda, join, jointly are the Genosauria. The Thyreophoria consists essentially of Stegosauria and Ankylosauria, with the Lesothosaurus, once seen as a basal Ornithischian, as well as Skeletosaurus and Scutellosaurus, early Jurassic forms as basal relatives. The Sauropoda include a series of unarmored bipedal ornithopods of the Jurassic and Cretaceous, leading to the hadrosaurs as well as the horned ceratopsians and boneheaded pachycephalosaurs, which together make up the marginocephalia. Box 8.2, out of Africa or Af Af Africa isolated. The dinosaurs of Africa and Madagascar have attracted intense attention in recent years, and arguments have been made that these faunas were special. 
For example, some of the dinosaurs from the late Cretaceous of Madagascar seem to share closer similarities with those from India and South America than those from Africa. The abelosauroid theropods Majungasaurus and Masiakasaurus from Madagascar both had close relatives in South America. These, together with members of the other groups, e.g. sauropods, mammals, and crocodiles, suggest close faunal links between South America and India-Madagascar, perhaps indicating a dispersal route via Antarctica that supposedly avoided Africa. This idea might seem beguiling, beguiling? beguiling. Uh, and it might well be true, but the weakness is that there is no record of comparable dinosaurs in the late Cretaceous of Africa. A classic statement of scientific method is that, quote, the absence of evidence does not indicate the evidence of absence, unquote. When and if rich faunas of late Cretaceous dinosaurs are found in various locations of Africa, these would provide a test to the African isolation hypothesis. Until then, paleontologists should beware of constructing overly elaborate paleobiogeographical hypotheses. It is certainly possible, it is certainly known that Africa remained linked to South America and other southern hemisphere landmasses through most of the early Cretaceous. Madagascar broke away from the main African landmass by 120 million years ago, and South America followed by 100 million years ago. However, most dinosaurian clades that have figured in the debates about African Madagascaran... Madagascan? Oh, cool. That's an interesting... African-Madagascan disjunction. Subclades of Tetanure and Sauropoda had originated in the middle or late Jurassic and were often essentially worldwide in distribution. This is confirmed by consideration of Jurassic and early Cretaceous dinosaurs from Africa. For example, the late Jurassic uh, Tendaguru fauna of Tanzania is very like that of the Morrison Formation in the mid-central USA, sharing closely related genera such as the theropod Ceratosaurus and the sauropods Barosaurus uh, and Brachy... Uh, oh, I see. Sharing closely related genera such as the theropod Ceratosaurus slash quote, ceratosaur, the sauropods, Barosaurus slash Torniaria, and Brachiosaurus slash Giraffatitan, and the ornithopod, Dryosaurus slash Dysalotosaurus. The spinosaurid theropod, Suchomimus from Niger, is virtually indistinguishable from Baryonyx from England. Likewise, the Carcharodontosaurid Carcharodontosaurus from Morocco is similar to Giganotosaurus from Argentina and Acrocanthosaurus from North America. The sparse record of dinosaurs from sub-Saharan Africa in the Cretaceous is currently inadequate to test the fascinating idea that faunas might have become more geographically differentiated as the continents split apart. End box. 8.3.3. Silurisauria. The remaining theropods form the major clade Silurisauria, and these share a large number of derived characters with each other and with birds most notably an enlarged maxillary fenestra and no serrations on the premaxillary teeth. Many silurosaurs also have feathers of various kinds. Relationships within silurosauria are debated, especially the sequence of clades along the lineage to birds, but Tyrannosauroidea appears to be the sister group to the other clades. The Tyrannosauroids are arguably the most notorious dinosaurs of all, the subject of every young person's enthusiasm or nightmares. Tyrannosauroids have nonetheless been studied intensively. Members of the clade are best known from the late Cretaceous of North America and Central Asia, and most were very were large or very large. Tyrannosaurus rex, at some 14 meters long and weighing perhaps 10 tons, has been claimed as the largest carnivorous dinosaur of all time. 
Members of other clades, such as the Ceratosaur Ceratosaurus and the Carcharodontosaurids, Carcharodontosaurus and Giganotosaurus, may have been equally huge. Estimates from scaling rules suggest that the last two reached 13 meters in length and 14 tons. The large Spinosaurus may have measured 12.6 meters long and weighed 12 tons. Tyrannosaurus has a large head and jaws lined with massive teeth that were almost circular in cross-section. These attest to powerful bite forces. Tyrannosauroids were probably both active hunters and scavengers, and they could certainly bite. Bones from the pelvis of a triceratops show puncture marks up to 37 millimeters deep made by Tyrannosaurus teeth, and these indicate a strong bite force of up to 13,400 newtons, as powerful as the strongest bite of any living carnivore. Multi-body dynamic modeling indicates that even more dramatic bite forces of 35,000 to 57,000 newtons. This has provided opportunities for exploration of the biomechanical properties of the T-Rex skull using finite element analysis. The Tyrannosaurus stomach contents show that they digested bones with acid, as modern crocodiles do, although not to such an extent, and a one-meter-long Tyrannosaur coprolite full of Edmontosaurus bones and other and another with bones and putative muscle tissue offer further intimate evidence of their feeding activities. Tyrannosauroids had tiny forelimbs equipped with either two or three fingers, but these would seem to have been quite useless as they could not even reach the mouth. Tyrannosaurus may have used them to push its head and torso up from a lying position by providing a push while the head was thrown back and the lungs straightened. Tyrannosauroids have a specialized ankle structure, the arctometatarsus, in which three central metatarsals, numbers two through four, are firmly pressed against each other. Instead of being round in cross-section, the metatarsals are triangular, and metatarsal three is, quote, squeezed at its upper end in such a way that it barely reaches the astragalus above, or is excluded entirely from contact with it. The arctometatarsus may have had a dynamic function during running, where the three metatarsals bunched tightly at maximum loading and then sprang slightly apart as the foot was raised. This gave tyrannosauroids a stronger metatarsus than in some other theropods, which lack the arctometatarsus, but not as rigid as in birds, in which the three elements have fused into one. But could a T-Rex run fast or not? It may have been able to sprint in the Hollywood films, but in life, it probably could not have achieved much more than a fast walk. Hutchinson and Garcia, 2002, show that running speed depends on the mass of the extensor muscles in the hind leg. Scaling up a chicken to the six-ton mass of T-Rex means that it would have to devote 99% of its body mass to leg muscles, which is clearly impossible. With more reasonable leg muscle estimates, T-Rex could have achieved a fast walk at 11 meters per uh, meter seconds to the, what, I don't know what that unit is, um, but not the wilder speed of 72 kilometer, is that kilometers per, meters per, that's such a weird way of notating it. Okay, 11 meters per second, uh, which is 40 kilometers per hour or 25 miles per hour, but not the wilder speed of 72 kilometers per hour that had been suggested. Two further subclades of Silurosaurs precede the major clade Manoraptora. The Compsognathids include Compsognathus from the late Jurassic of Germany, a very small dinosaur at 0.7 to 1.4 meters long. Other European Compsognathids probably include Skyapionix from Italy, a small juvenile that usually is preserved together with its intestine and other internal organs intact. Its close relative from China, Sinoceropteryx, has feathers, and it has been claimed that these feathers were ginger in color. 
How on earth can paleontologists determine the color of ancient feathers with any confidence? The ornithomimids of the early to late Cretaceous were highly specialized theropods with a slender ostrich-like body and long arms and legs. The hands in many ornithomimids have three powerful fingers that may have been used for grasping food items. The lightly built bodies indicates that Struthiomimus could have run fast and speeds of 35 to 60 kilometers per hour have been estimated. The skull is completely toothless in later forms and thus had to be considerable has led to considerable discussion of their possible diets. Could they have fed on small prey such as lizards or mammals or even plants? Their toothless jaws were covered in life with a keratinous beak that bore vertical ridges, ridges inside, just as in a duck. Did they dabble in ponds for small prey and floating plants? Barrett, 2005, has reviewed the evidence and finds those diets extremely unlikely. Ornithomimids were probably regular herbivores, and it seems increasingly likely that a number of Cretaceous theropods adopted such a diet. 8.3.4. Maneraptora. The most derived theropods, the Maneraptora, include the Alvarosauroids, Therizinosauroids, Ovaraptorosaurs, Troodontids, Dromaeosaurids, and birds. In the first serious cladistic analysis of Theropoda, Gauthier, 1986, identified the Dromaeosaurids and Troodontids as close relatives of birds, forming the clade Maneraptora, and this has been widely confirmed. The other three Maneraptoran subclades have a checkered history. The Alvarosauroids and Ovaraptorosaurs have sometimes been identified as birds, and the Therizinosauroids have enjoyed the wildest array of phylogenetic assignments of any dinosaurs. The Dromaeosaurids, Troodontids, and birds form the clade Paravis, and they are considered bird in the birds chapter. The Alvarosauroids are a small group of some 20 genera, known largely from the Cretaceous of Mongolia, China, Argentina, and the U.S., the best-known Alvarosauroid is Mononychus from Mongolia, which has a small bird-like head, a short body and long tail, and a small pelvis with pubis and ischium that are not fused, a splint-like fibula, and a reduced forearm. The long, slender hind limb with a, shorter, a femur shorter than the tibia shows that Mononychus was a fast runner. The most extraordinary feature about Mononychus is the tiny arm with a short humerus, ulna, and radius a massive fused wrist consisting mainly of the metacarpal 1 and a short powerful digit 2, as well as reduced digits 2 and 3. The function of this extraordinary little arm is a mystery. Perhaps it was used for scraping and tearing plant food or for opening termite mounds. Early Therizinosauroids looked like any typical 2-meter-long theropod, but later forms such as Alaxosaurus from Mongolia and China were the most bizarre theropods of all. Their affinities were for a long time problematic. Amazingly, they had been identified at times as turtles, theropods, or something between Saurischians and Ornithischians. They were large animals, 4 to 5 meters long, weighing 1 to 7 tons, with a massive pelvis and short tail. The forelimbs are, a long, are long and the hands and claws extremely, extremely elongated. Um, the forelimbs... Oh, the neck is powerful, but the skull is small and equipped with apparently rather feeble peg-like teeth and a toothless beak at the front. Russell and Dong, 1993, suggested that the Therizinosauroids were foliage eaters, rather like certain mammals, the giant ground sloths and the calicotheres. Therizinosaurus sat balanced tripodally by its massive pelvis and short tail and raked in tree branches with its long slender claws, which it passed to its toothless beak. 
the snout was covered with a keratinous sheath, uh, like a bird. And this functioned as much to stabilize the jaws as to cut through tough plant stems. Oviraptorosaurs include a broad range of early Cretaceous forms, including the small feathered Caudipteryx and the bucktoothed Incivisaurus from China, and the giant 8-meter-long Gigantoraptor from Mongolia. Earlier finds include Oviraptorids and Inigenids from the late Cretaceous of Mongolia and China, and the Cynignathids from the late Cretaceous of North America. Oviraptor from the late Cretaceous of Mongolia has an odd-looking skull, high and full of openings. The snout is very much shortened, and it lacks teeth. This dinosaur has famously been given an undeserved bad name. It was called Oviraptor, meaning egg thief, because the type spe specimen was found in 1923 lying on top of a nest containing eggs. A further skeleton of Oviraptor was found in 1993, also located on top of a nest, but this time an embryo was found inside one of the eggs, and it turned out to be an unhatched Oviraptor. Far from being an egg thief, these oviraptor individuals were apparently brooding their eggs. The most remarkable oviraptorosaur find was one of the most was one of the first feathered dinosaurs reported from China, showing a range of feather types. Paravies are considered in section 9.1.1. 8.3.5 Basal Sauropodomorpha. The Sauropodomorpha, the second major saurischian clade, includes the sauropods, the largest animals ever to live on land. The Sauropodomorpha arose in the late Triassic, and the early forms of the late Triassic and early Jurassic were formerly termed prosauropods. This would be a paraphyletic group, as most sauropodomorphs are outgroups to the sauropoda. Thecodontosaurus, a basal sauropodomorph from the late Triassic of England, a lightly built herbivore, 2.5 meters long, shows that all the basic shows all the basic hallmarks of the clade: a small skull, a downwards curve to the tip of the dentary lancelet teeth with serrated crowns, a long neck with ten or more cervical vertebrae, a huge thumb claw and no claws on fingers four and five, and a short blade on the ilium. More derived, quote, prosauropods include Platyosaurus, as well as the animals such as uh, Riojasaurus from Argentina and Melanorosaurus from South Africa, which were obligatory quadrupeds up to ten meters long. Other basal sauropodomorphs include forms such as Saturnalia from the Santa Maria formation of Brazil that sit near the base of the clade. Platyosaurus and relatives from Europe, the giant Riojasaurids, such as Riojasaurus from the late Triassic of Argentina, the early Jurassic Masospondylids, and others. The sauropods first appeared in the late Triassic of South Africa and radiated in the late Triassic and early Jurassic with forms such as Anti and Antetonitris from South Africa, Volcanodon from Zimbabwe, Shunosaurus from China, and Barapasaurus from India. Shunosaurus from the Middle Jurassic of China is known from several skeletons, and the skull shows a sophisticated dental apparatus with differing tooth shape along the jaw and evidence of tooth-to-tooth -tooth occlusion. Occlusion, in which the upper and lower teeth have interlocking surfaces, is well known in mammals, but rare in reptiles, and it is important in improving the efficiency of food processing. These basal sauropods had four fused sacral vertebrae, a straight femur, and seemingly no distal tarsals. These features mark the beginning of modifications to the, to the sauropod postcranial skeleton caused by their massive weight. Next in the phylogeny are Mementosauridae, Typ uh, typified by Mementosaurus from the late Jurassic of China, which has an immensely long neck. 
relatively the longest of all sauropods. 8.3.6 Neosauropoda Sauropod phylogeny has been much debated, but most authors agree on the separation of these basal forms from the major clade Neosauropoda, which splits into subclades Diplodocoidea and Macronaria. Despite intense endeavors, one famous, uh, one of the most famous early sauropods, Cediosaurus, from the Middle Jurassic of England, has defied phylogenetic placement. Maybe that's why they named it whale lizard. This was the first sauropod ever named by Sir Richard Owen in 1841. The skeleton shows an elongate neck comprising more uh, more than 12 cervical vertebrae. There are five or six sacral vertebrae. The limbs are rather pillar-like, as in elephants, an adaptation for weight supporting. Their fingers and toes are much shortened and the phalanges are lost. In Cediosaurus, the external mandibular fenestra in the lower jaw has been lost, and the lower temporal fenestra lies completely beneath the orbit. The diplocoidea, uh, diplo, diplodocoidea, sorry, includes the diplodocids from late Jurassic of North America, the decreosaurids from the late Jurassic of Africa, and the early Cretaceous of South America, and the rebacosaurids from the Cretaceous of Africa, South America, and Europe. The diplodocids, such as diplodocus, have a steeply sloping quadrate and a broad snout with a small number of cylindrical pencil-like teeth at the front. The jutting teeth may have been used in a pincer-like fashion to strip vegetation. Additional neosauropod characteristics in the back of the skull in the skull are the nostrils and nasal bones have moved well back and the skull roof is shortened, and the lower temporal fenestra lies largely beneath the orbit. Diplodocus had a massively long neck comprising 6 meters of its 27-meter total body length, and consisting of at least 15 cervical vertebrae with complex struts and lamellae indicating internal pneumatization. The limbs of Diplodocus seem relatively slender, but the hands and feet are shortened weight-supporting structures. The wrist contains only two carpals, and the ankle generally only the astragalus, all the other elements having been lost or presume present only as cartilage. The first finger and the first two toes bear long claws that may have been used in digging, but the other digits bear only small hoof-like nubbins of bone. The Macronaria includes the Camarasaurids, Brachiosaurids, Eulophids, Euhelopids, and Titanosaurians. The Camarasaurids and Brachiosaurids share a skull pattern in which there is an arched internarial bar formed by very narrow premaxillae between the enlarged nostrils and a clearly defined snout. Giraffe Titan from the late Jurassic of Tanzania is one of the largest dinosaurs known from a reasonably complete skeleton. It is 23 meters long, its head reaches 12 meters above the ground, and its weight has been estimated as 50 tons. Giraffe Titan and its relative Brachiosaurus from North America are dinosaurian giraffes, designed to reach into trees, and the body shape differs from other sauropods in that forelimbs are as long as hindlimbs. The neck is greatly elongated, and the cervical vertebrae are cavernous in order, in order to save weight. There are massively elongated neural spines on the dorsal vertebrae, which indicate that giraffe titan had powerful muscles and ligaments to lift its crane-like neck up and down. The titanosaurians are best represented in the late Cretaceous of South America, but they are known from all continents and comprise 70 or more genera. These range in size from relatively small, Rockosaurus, 8 meters, to truly gigantic, Argentinosaurus, 30 meters. The smallest of all was 
uh, Magyarosaurus, a petite six meters long and hypothesized to have been in, quote, island dwarf, unquote. The titanosaur skull was superficially like that of Diplodocus, and the body in some, such as Saltosaurus, was covered with an armor of roughly hexagonal bony plates. Titanosaurians also showed a characteristic, quote, wide gauge, unquote, limb posture, in which the forelimbs and hindlimbs were angled out from the side of the body and the hands and feet planted on the ground far apart. This differs from all other sauropods in which the limbs were vertical and the tracks show the footprints close to the midline. A remarkable nesting site in the late Cretaceous at Auca Majuevo, Argentina, shows hundreds of nests, eggs, embryos, and juveniles laid by herds of titanosaurians 80 million years ago. 8.3.7. On being a giant. Sauropods are notable for their huge size, and there has been much speculation over the years about how they might have achieved their vast dimensions and yet remained successful. At first sight, it might seem impossible that such huge animals, some weighing 50 tons or more, 10 times the weight of the largest elephant, could survive with such relatively small heads and eating such apparently poorly nutritious plants. Some speculations have included outlandish ideas, such as that they supported their vast body weights by standing around in deep lakes, or that gravity was lower in the Mesozoic than today. What? There is no evidence for such ad hoc suggestions, and it is wiser to work with the data we have. In a comprehensive assault on this knotty problem, a large interdisciplinary team has explored every angle from confirming that our estimates of sauropod body mass are reasonable to exploring sauropod coprolites and finding out what they were eating, calculating the nutritional value of various Mesozoic plants, and calculating daily energy budgets. These authors conclude that sauropod gigantism was enabled by a combination of key features. The long neck, the small head, the avian-style respiration, high basal metabolic rate, and egg-laying. First, the long neck is a feature of nearly all sauropods. Its purpose was to enlarge the feeding envelope, the range over which the animal could secure food without moving its body. Sauropods then stood still for much of the time, swinging their necks slowly from side to side and up and down, munching on plant material off of every edible bush and tree within reach. This is a much more energy-efficient feeding mode for a very, very large animal than constantly moving the whole body when a small food patch has been exhausted. Second, the small head, which is essential in a long-necked animal, was possible because sauropods probably swallowed their food whole and without chewing. They gathered plant matter by shearing bites, nipping, and branch stripping, and then gulped it down whole. At one time, it was argued that sauropods must have been must have then ground and reduced the particle size of their plant food by means of a gastric mill, as found in birds, a structure between the mouth and stomach that contains grit and acts, as a, and acts to reduce the food. However, records of so-called, quote, stomach stones or gastroliths in sauropods are questioned, and it seems likely that sauropods simply retained their food for a long time in the stomach where it fermented and gave up its nutritious chemicals. Such long retention times are a consequence of their very large body sizes. Third, avian-style respiration has long been posited in dinosaurs, including in sauropods. In birds, unlike mammals, air enters the lungs and then passes into auxiliary air sacs, distributed along the vertebral column and around the thorax. Bird respiration is unidirectional, meaning that oxygen-rich air moves in the same direction through the gas-exchange tissues of the lungs during both inhalation and exhalation. The air sacs allow this by storing some oxygen-rich air, so that it can pass forwards during exhalation. Mammals, including humans, have a tidal respiratory system, 
in which air passes into the lungs and then passes out again, with the disadvantage that incoming oxygenated air is mixed with the spent deoxygenated air. In birds, the air sacs are partly contained within the bones of the skeleton, creating pneumatic spaces within vertebrae and the humeri, for example. In birds, this has the additional advantage of lightening the skeleton for flight. Sauropods, too, benefited from the lightening of the skeleton, especially around the neck, often by complex invaginations from the side shown by cavities and narrow bone struts, so that it took less muscular effort to maintain off the ground and move it around. Fourth, and perhaps controversially, dinosaurs generally had a high basal metabolic rate. This was essential in sauropods to enable them to grow to adult size fast. If sauropods had been the slow-moving, lung-burning behemoths of earlier days, taking perhaps 100 years to reach breeding age, there would have been a high risk of death before they could breed. Estimates from studies of bone histology suggest that sauropods could increase their body mass by 0.5 to 2 tons per year and would have reached sexual maturity at ages between 15 and 30. Fifth and finally, sauropods laid eggs and, despite their large size, retained the R-selected strategy of producing relatively large numbers of small young each breeding season. Eggs are small and hatchlings were about 0.5 meters long, compared to parents 15 to 80 meters long and there was probably limited parental care. Egg-laying, then, was a low investment for the sauropod parents, and yet it offered the potential for faster population recovery than in large herbivorous mammals, which typically produce one or two large, young, and invest uh, effort in parental care. This permitted lower population densities in sauropods than in large herbivorous mammals, but larger individuals. Sander et al., 2011, argue that these five characteristics of sauropods, long neck, small head, avian-style respiration, high basal metabolic rate, and egg-laying, contrasted with mammals today. Uh, short neck, large head, tidal respiration, high uh, basal metabolic rate, and live birth. The only shared character is the high basal metabolic rate in sauropods and mammals, and this places substantial demands on mammals. Sauropods had apparently evolved some smart strategies to allow them to enjoy the benefits of a mammalian-style high basal metabolic rate, but without the costs faced by mammals in terms of finding and processing massive amounts of food and investing substantially in reproduction. Box 8.3. Dwarf Dinosaurs on Ancient Islands. A well-known biogeographic rule among modern birds and mammals is the, quote, island rule which says that small mammals may become larger, and most notably large mammals, animals, smaller when they find themselves on islands. The dwarf elephants of the Mediterranean islands are particularly well known. During the late Pleistocene and Holocene, as the level of the Mediterranean Sea rose and fell in, connecting with, in connection with melting and expanding ice caps at the North Pole, elephants entered islands such as Sicily, Sardinia, Malta, and Crete, both from North Africa and Southern Europe. At times, Crete was populated by pygmy elephants, pygmy hippos, and pygmy deer, as well as two genera of giant rodents and giant insectivores. The Pleistocene faunas of Sardinia were the most diverse of all, with pygmy elephants, pygmy hippos, and pygmy deer, as well as large rodents and shrews. Why do body sizes change on islands? There have been many debates on the topic, but there were two rather obvious reasons. Large animals need large feeding areas and ecological release. So a population of normal-sized elephants from the mainland that find themselves on an island that becomes isolated would risk extinction if they did not modify their food requirements. Rapid evolution might very well select for ever smaller animals that need less and less food while maintaining a viable breeding population. 
ecological release explains why large animals might become smaller and small animals larger. This principle relies on the fact that most species are constrained by others, and in the absence of those close competitors, the species may come to occupy a much wider niche at a differing body size range. Dinosaurs, typically icons of gigantism, could become dwarfed on islands. Most famous are the late Cretaceous dinosaurs of... Wow, I, uh, I don't even know what that letter is. Hateg in southern Romania. The late Cretaceous was a time of unusually high sea levels, and much of Europe was beneath the waves, with numerous islands matching current mountain ranges. In eastern Europe, dinosaurs and other terrestrial vertebrates hopped from island to island, and Hateg Island was particularly diverse, with dinosaurs, lizards, crocodiles, pterosaurs, birds, and mammals. A variety of evidence suggests that the dinosaurs were dwarfs. For example, the ornithopod Telmatosaurus was half or one-third the length of its nearest relatives, corresponding to one-quarter uh, to one-quarter to one-ninth of the body mass. Further, it seems to be a relict species, meaning it is somehow primitive and isolated. Its nearest relatives are a late Jurassic and early Cretaceous forms, implying that they had survived somewhat unchanged for 2 to 80 million years. The same is true of the Titanosaur Magyarosaurus. Some of its bone histology confirms that it is a small adult, not a juvenile. The limb bones show considerable secondary remodeling, indicative of a reasonably advanced age. None of the specimens shows an external fundamental system. Close rings of low porosity bone, a sure indication uh, that growth has ceased, but this might have been lost to secondary remodeling. Megyarosaurus and the dwarf ornithopod Talmatosaurus are island dwarfs. Further, their dwarf size represents a form of patamorphosis, the retention of juvenile characters in the adult. Of the three processes that can produce patamorphosis, neoteny, slow development, and post-displacement, where development starts late, can lead to adults of the same size as the unaffected relatives, whereas progenesis, development stops early, usually leads to adults of reduced size. Additional evidence for progenesis is the retention of anatomically juvenile characters in adult Talmatosaurus. This suggests that the development of the dentition finished early by comparison with larger close relatives, and so this points to progenesis, early offset, as the heterochronic process.